The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. If you really stop to think about it, what is it that you really want? Hey, everyone. From LinkedIn News, this is In the Arena, a podcast exploring human potential. I'm Leah Smart, and every week you'll find me right here in conversation with bright minds and brave hearts, learning how we can improve our lives and our world by transforming ourselves. And today I got to grab some time with writer Madeline Dorr. She authored I Didn't Do the Thing Today, and she's focused on how we can each start our own tiny revolutions against the status symbol of busyness and reclaim our time more intentionally. So through her own experiences, Madeline realized that productivity simply couldn't be the end-all be-all. So she set out to learn the truth about our obsession with doing things and being busy as well as how to combat it for a healthier and more fulfilling life. Madeline brought me back to the basics today, which I always love. So here she is. My book came out last year, and that was really a culmination of a sort of half a decade long project that was looking at productivity and our routines and what it meant to be working in the world and our relationship to the stumbles that we'd encounter. And sort of since that, I guess the book was a nice bow to that project. And so it was very much an ending to that big project. And then every ending kind of leaves this space. And so I've been very much navigating that space ever since. And there can be such pressure when something big like a book comes out with sort of what is next. I was just sort of really trying to kind of keep that blank and allow for kind of a true desire or a direction to kind of to bubble up and to be able to listen and to luxuriating in that space, I suppose, because it is a luxury. And then interestingly, I guess the threads started to appear and I saw that that very ending actually was a beautiful segue into the next beginning, which is very much looking at the intangible things. And so I think that the book itself kind of ends on how productive we are or how successful we are or how much, you know, material things that we acquire that defines us Then what is it that defines us. And those things are sort of a little bit tricky and nebulous to find. And it's really about connection and it's about curiosity and it's about creativity and it's about the things that we don't see that actually bring us more alive. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I'm exploring that question of what is aliveness and if it's not things, material things or an accolade that makes us happy, then what actually is it? So I think that's still a question mark, but that's very much kind of where my focus is in new writing now. In the book and where you're headed now, how do you know that it's not the accolades or the material possessions or all of those things that make us happier or define us? Well, I think that's very much what came out of many conversations with the people that I was speaking to through my project Extraordinary Routines, which was speaking directly to the people that I admired and had on a pedestal and who I defined in my own eyes as extremely successful. And I wanted to sort of have a peek behind the scenes to find out how they did it exactly. And then it was quickly revealed that there is no secret. And actually, these very people also feel like they might not be productive enough or successful enough or feel like they are doing it right. And so it changed the question. And it's even in my sort of own experience of seeing that 
the things that we accomplish, that sort of hedonic treadmill, like once you arrive, the next thing appears. And so there's a feeling of it's wonderful to sort of have the pursuit, but it's that old thing about it. It's, it's actually the process. It's in the pursuit. The accolade. <laughs> exactly. So it's not, otherwise there's an emptiness unless we sort of find a way to have fun and to enjoy what we're doing while we're doing it, not where it's taking us to. Mm. I don't know if you ever heard of the book that was written by the nurse Bronnie Ware. Uh, she was an Australian mm -hmm. nurse and she wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. It's very clear. One of them was, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. And it's interesting to think about, like, where do you find the information to help people figure out how to live really well or how to become the best versions of themselves? And it's like a mix of looking at the research that is the quantitative, here are the numbers, but then it's like the stories and the qualitative and the talking to people who are have lived, right, have fully lived and their life is coming to an end. And I think that's actually the best place to find the information we're looking for from a qualitative perspective is like if you just followed these five rules, which are, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life of others expected of me. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I'd stayed in touch with friends and I wish I'd let myself be happier. It feels like that would kind of be the recipe for living a full life. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose all of those things require the courage to actually go a slightly different way, to, to find your own way. And that takes a lot of experimenting and it takes a lot of trial and error. And so I think sometimes we look for the formulated, here's how to live your life and the answers and the directions from something else. But it actually takes a lot longer and a lot of wrong turns when we're trying to figure out all of those things ourselves. And yeah, so I don't feel like I've landed in that place of knowing exactly how to even live with that formula, because I think you're creating it as you're doing it. Yeah, it's like wrong turns and the courage to make choices. I read that you also were a deputy editor at Arts Hub and you were in a dream job and then you quit to make room for other ventures. So when you think about like carving the path as you walk it, was that part of your story that you talk about? When I graduated from university, I wasn't able to find work in journalism and it was incredibly frustrating. And I, I just felt confused as to how to sort of people pave a way in a particular creative career. It, it just felt so sort of bamboozling. And so that's actually what led to asking people how they did that very thing. And that led to the job that I was looking for at the time, which was an editorial role for an arts publication, which was the dream come true. And so I think that it was interesting alongside that, continuing to to work on a side project and a labour of love. And that sort of grew in different directions that I didn't anticipate in terms of freelance writing opportunities and speaking opportunities. And so it became that kind of choice between keeping the day job or going out as a freelancer. And so that was the choice that I made at that point. I very much advocate for when you can't find the job that you want to create it for yourself, even in just one small way. And if that means that it's a labor of love that you pick up and put down as time and curiosity allows for, I just think it's very powerful to have something of your own that you're carving out and sort of let that be the thing that can take you in unexpected directions. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I agree with if you can't find it created. Um, and even if you don't know how it will get created, still leave room for some mystery and mm. some openness to the possibility that it could show up. Even if it's not perfect, it could show up. Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about like the idea of busyness and productivity versus a day well spent. Many of us don't stop to go, what would make my day a little different in the way that I wanted it to be? What would make it more intentional? And so we just go through our days and 
then we wake up and you're like, where did the year go? Where did the month go? I feel like that's a problem of intention and then also of a challenge around habit, right? So what are our habits that we're conscious of and not conscious of? How do you guide people to become more intentional about how they spend their time and how they define or connect value with busyness? When we look at sort of intention, what do we mean by intention? And one kind of entry point to discover that could really be just the simple question of asking what it is that you want. Mm -hmm. And that can be when you're faced with decision. It can be when you're in the midst of perhaps a project or embarking on something new or going through the motions of something where there might be a blueprint that already exists. And so you might have a lot of people telling you what it is that you need to be doing or should be doing with that particular thing. And it's easy, I think, in those instances to kind of go with the current and not actually stop to ask yourself what it is that you want to do with this particular thing. So it can be in small ways day to day, or it can be in big ways, and it can also be applied to our entire lives. And I think that that question can be quite overwhelming. So I do Mm -hmm. (laughs) sort of like to tend to pull it back into just smaller questions. That can be really helpful because so much is overshadowed by other people and what they think that we should do or what they're telling us we think we should do. It can be overshadowed by our fears. It can be overshadowed by our comparisons to other people. And we sort of think, well, this person's doing it this way, so we must do it this way. It can be sort of muddied again with sort of indecision or even just our limited view of what success or productivity or creativity looks like. It can pigeonhole us into thinking that we need to do things this certain way or our day needs to look like this in order for us to be successful. One really tangible thing that I do often just to be really in touch with my own wants because they shift so often as well. When I'm feeling that sort of overwhelmed feeling or the days are too full or I feel directionless, it's really about kind of writing it all out, all these things that I think that I should be doing and what it is that I am doing. And then just taking a moment to survey the actual page in front of me. It's very much just about then labeling, like, where is this coming from? Is it something that someone's telling me that I should do? Is it maybe something that's an expired want that I might have Mm. set for myself five years ago and haven't actually updated it to the current version of myself? So is it an old goal? Is it a borrowed one? Because I'm thinking that I have to live like this because other people do. And then I sort of start to be able to cull that and really refine it and turn to what it is that I want And I think when we do that, what we're sometimes confronting is an identity shift as well. And so maybe that's why we keep our days full in some instances. Sometimes our days are full for other reasons, but sometimes they're full because we're afraid that if we had the spare time, we might actually be facing a void of some kind and we don't know what to do with that. So it is sort of more difficult work. But I think that when we can cull anything that's a little bit like extraneous, then we actually can kind of really refine things and, and have less in order to be able to do more. We're going on a quick break. When we get back, more from Madeline on the practice of defining a day well spent, in your eyes, and the two types of wants worth avoiding. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, 
the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. And we're back with author of I Didn't Do the Thing Today, Madeline Dorr. Ooh, so I love this idea of the expired want and the borrowed want or desire. Can you talk a little more about those? Yeah. So expired want would very much be an old version of yourself who set a goal and that goal, for whatever reason, has shifted because I think that's what's so interesting about goal setting. By the time that we arrive, sometimes sort of something else has opened up um, on the periphery. So, you know, as we're walking that path, the direction can kind of change because we discover more, we learn more, and it's a process of refining. Naturally, things kind of expired and redundant to who you are. And I think that's what's important, again, about really reminding ourselves about the process because that end goal (laughs) might shift by the time that we get there. And then a borrowed want would very much be from a comparison spiral, I suppose. It's funny how we can compare ourselves and we can even experience that feeling of envy without actually asking ourselves, like, is what we're envious of right now something that we would really want? Like, do we want that lifestyle? Do we want that thing? Do we want that career? The actual reality of it. I think we sort of fail to inspect that as well sometimes. And so we might have this borrowed want. We might put ourselves into these boxes that actually don't suit us at all. Yeah, you know, I've been aware of probably more of an expired want more recently, but the borrowed want is really interesting to me. When I think about the borrowed want, you know, I'm 35 and I went through the process of being in most of my close friends' weddings and watching them have kids. And I can remember times where I had this borrowed want of like, oh, I should be doing this. I should be keeping up. It was only when I really started to check in with myself and be like, wait a minute, is this on the list right Right now of what I want? Or is this a borrowed want that's actually a desire for the future? Because it wasn't that I didn't want those things. It's that I was not ready yet. And that's a hard thing, right, to admit to yourself, like what you are and are not ready for. And it doesn't mean you won't ever want it. It just means it's not your time yet. And so I I like this idea of taking this sort of inventory list of what are the shoulds and then inside of those shoulds, it seems like asking yourself what's expired, what's borrowed, and then what's reality and what's actually going on. Yeah, exactly. And you can further categorize it. I like to pretend that there's a little cloakroom in my brain that I can put the wants away for later. It doesn't mean that they're Mm. going anywhere. They're just set aside for the time being because we can't do everything all at once. I think patience is such a beautiful thing that we overlook. We call it procrastination sometimes when really it's actually just allowing the timing of things to unfold. I completely agree with that. So what do we do? Like, I'm imagining I drew this, like, T-chart of the shoulds on one side, the reality slash, like, what I want and what I'm doing on the other. How do we combine that with this idea of defining a day well spent? 
for me, it's about broadening that definition. I think so often we can reach the end of the day and feel like it's a failure if we didn't get through our to-do list or our checklist. We can sort of lament, oh, I wasn't productive enough or I didn't do that thing. It's really about taking that lens a little bit wider and seeing, okay, well, it might not have been that I checked everything off my to-do list, but perhaps you can survey the fact that one particular thing took a lot longer than you expected it to, or there was an mm. unexpected emergency or something else became more pressing that you did give your attention to and whether that was a conversation that needed to happen. I think we overlook these things that aren't necessarily measurable. And so I think it's sort of returning to this question about what is it that you want? I think that's important to keep top of mind because at the same time, the days can slip away and we can sort of move through them in a way that we're sort of not present to. And it is important, I suppose, to get around to the things that matter most to us, creating a connection to those things that we want to do and that are important and that do matter, but also seeing that not every day is the perfect optimised day and that there will be various derailments. And so sometimes things take longer or sometimes things need more time and sometimes our expectations of things need to shift taking a more creative lens to the day and one with curiosity rather than sort of being so rigid and feeling like every day needs to be perfectly optimised and every minute needs to be filled. Maybe the day was actually more of a thinking day rather than a doing day. Um, And so I think that's how those two things work hand in hand, perhaps. God, this is so me. (laughs) I'm like, this was me yesterday. I doing this to myself and to my partner. I was so in that place of we have to do these things. It was the first really nice day. It felt like on a weekend that wasn't super hot. It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I just started making lists in my mind. It was out of nowhere. The expectations started building and building. He didn't want to do anything. He worked so much. He wanted to rest. And I was like, all right, the dog is getting her hair cut. I'm going to bike down there so I can get some exercise in between the time she's getting her hair cut. I'm going to come back. I'm going to clean out our guest room. I had a list and I was doing everything. And then at the end of the day, I finally was like, how is our weekend? And I was reflecting and I actually realized that I was telling him this. We were just talking on the couch and I said, you know, I think the two things that were actually the best parts of our weekend were two things I hadn't expected to be. One was we went to see a show that we weren't sure what it would be. And it was a really powerful show. So unexpected. And then the next day, it was just walking the dogs to the park at the college near where we live and randomly finding a football and deciding that we wanted to play football. (laughs) And actually, as you're saying this, I'm going, oh, both of those things were completely unexpected. And those Mm. turned out to be the two things that were most meaningful while I was over here making lists of like everything that had to be done. (laughs) Who knew the things we didn't think that were going to be big deals were actually the things that we cared about the most. Oh, I love that, Leah. That's exactly right. I think the things that surprise us, like obviously a surprise has two sides of that coin in terms of some things that blindside us, but some things like the delicious things in the day are often unplanned. And so I think it's about looking back on the day and counting the things that weren't on the to-do list and that do bring that aliveness. I think that that's redefining how we measure a day through that. That lens, yeah. In your bio, you talk about what you've done, but then at the end, you end with this thing that's like you're also trying to hold things lightly. What does that mean? Yeah, I think that kind of encompasses all of this in terms of trying to hold the expectations for the day lightly, trying to hold ambitions lightly, trying to hold the plan lightly. I think that it's a reminder for so many different things 
just acknowledging we don't have as much control as we sometimes like to think that we do. And then we can get upset by how things sort of might not go to plan. It's just really sort of acknowledging that we do have limitations and that there are uncertainties to life. And so if we hold things lightly, we can kind of go with that ebb and flow a little bit more. So it's it's very much a reminder to myself as someone who's, mm. you know, held on tightly to that to-do list, <laughs> just kind of loosening that grip a little bit and turning my attention to things that are intentional rather than expectations. And just knowing that there will be days that are, are lovely and productive, but not every day is the same. So just kind of holding it all lightly can be a bit of encompassing at all. So here's what I'm taking away, Madeline. I feel like the first is having the courage to decide what we want is really meaningful, which is really about like self-awareness and being intentional. And then it's the idea of investigating our shoulds. So investigating what we say should be happening and then looking at that as even broken down into are these things I really want? Are they things that are expired or borrowed or otherwise? And then looking at our realities and then deciding, given our realities, how we want to spend our time while also being compassionate to ourselves and to others and holding lightly the things that we are moving toward so that we're releasing expectations. We're allowing things to just be surprising and different and still totally delightful. Is that what you'd say is kind of your overall message? Yes. And when you put it so eloquently, Leah, I see the full (laughs) circle nature of it in terms of even this idea of sort of holding it lightly, that includes our own wants and just knowing that it's okay to change our mind about things. And it's also okay to say, I don't know, and just allow Mm -hmm. for that space of discovery, because I think it takes a lifetime to really know what we want. Um, And it's okay to keep asking the question and experimenting with things. Yeah, I love that. Madeline, thank you so much for joining me. You feel very peaceful to me. Thank you. That was author of I Didn't Do the Thing Today, Madeline Dorr. Madeline also writes a newsletter called On Things, exploring the intangible things that bring us more aliveness. One big thing before we go, my favorite part of this conversation was the easy practice of just taking inventory on our shoulds and then identifying the expired and borrowed wants. I think we can save ourselves so much anxiety and turmoil if we just admit We don't want that goal anymore, or that dream's not ours anymore, or it's shifted, and we're open to something else coming in in its place. Or by being really real that we borrowed that goal from somebody else who simply isn't living our lives. Truth is, no one else is living our lives. One of my favorite quotes that sums this up, which I will always come back to, you might have heard me say it before, is by Glennon Doyle. And it's, this life is mine alone. So I have stopped asking people for directions to places they've never been. That quote never fails me. It energizes me. It reminds me of what I feel is a truth I can live by. If this conversation has you thinking about how to spend time more intentionally and banishing those shoulds, share it with someone you know who might need some courage to live a life more true to themselves and help other people like you find our show by leaving us a rating before you go. Even better, write a one-sentence review telling me what your top takeaway was from this conversation. And as always, you can find me on LinkedIn writing about human potential and meaningful living. In the Arena is a production of LinkedIn News. The show is produced by Alexis Ramdow and Rafa Fariha. Asaf Gadron makes sure we send good in the studio. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Enrique Montalvo is the executive producer of LinkedIn Editorial Productions. Dave Pond is head of news production. Courtney Coop is head of LinkedIn Original Audio and Video. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Leah Smart. Thanks for coming with me, and I'll see you next week.